All right, people, we are back after the worst Eagles game of the season, I think. Easily. Which is, say, which is saying a lot with how bad they've played in several other games so far this year. Um, the present is bleak. The future appears bleaker. Uh, not much optimism or, or reason for for hope here going forward, but uh, Stefan and Riley are back to talk about it all. What's, What's going, going on, on Rich? Hey, how's it going, man? Yeah, I mean, this team just kind of stinks, and like not kind of, they really stink. Um, across the board, like you don't, you expect your team to show up after a bye week to at least look like you've practiced in the last two weeks. And so when you show up and put a performance out like that, zero for nine on third down, um, and just, I know I can name off so many stats, but when you look like that, that just tells me that it starts from the top down. The only solution is clearing house, in my opinion, and I'm not willing to address anything else. Yep, I, I completely agree. Uh, and Doug Peterson is now one and four after the bye week in his five years in uh, in Philadelphia, oh which is you know, a, a terrible stat because... Uh, you know, if I remember correctly, Andy Reid did not lose a game after the bye week until his like 12th or 13th year in Philly. Like if you're a good coach, having two weeks to prepare for your opponent uh, should be one of the biggest advantages that you can have in football. And um, for like you said, they, 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 right. And especially two weeks to prepare for a bad Giants team with a bad quarterback and a bad defense missing their two uh, their top two running backs. It's it just an embarrassing performance in all three phases of the game. Uh, they came out so flat, not ready to play at all. I mean, Jim Schwartz, how many fucking times do you have to see a quarterback keep it on a zone read or a wide receiver come around on an end around before you start adjusting the defense to, like, prepare for the possibility of that? Daniel Jones had, uh, what was it, an 80-yard run in the first game against the Eagles? And, you know, first drive of the game, untouched 35-yard touchdown run. Um, you know, the Eagles are, are down 14-3 before you even know what happened. And, um, you know, as far as the offense goes, Miles Sanders had 15 carries for 85 yards. Boston Scott had a 55-yard touchdown run, and they still threw the ball 39 times. Like, I don't know, with as bad as Wentz has played this year, and I know he wasn't the biggest problem Sunday, but he wasn't good either. Uh, as bad as he's been this year, as good as Miles Sanders has been when he's been in the lineup, as good as he was on Sunday, like it's insane to not make the running game the focal part of your offense. Yeah, I get that they want to have a modern, you know, up-tempo attack where, you know, you're you're passing the ball 65% of the time because that's how the best offenses in the modern NFL are designed. Well, too bad. We don't have an offense that's capable of performing if you play like that right now. So they need to bring it back to the basics and operate through Miles Sanders in the ground game. Um, um. And I'll I'll let you get uh get your thoughts in here too. But um you know what did what did what did all the offensive coaches they added to the staff this off season? What what do they do exactly? Because I, I know they're not giving Doug any ideas. Um, given how how stable or uh, excuse me how stale and uncreative the offense has been this year, what does Press Taylor do for a living? Um, what, how does he help this team? Because he's surely not helping Wentz develop and get better because he's regressed dramatically since press Taylor, um, you know, got heavily involved last year and uh, it's gotten worse this year as press Taylor's responsibility has grown. 
Yeah, I think you just honestly hit it on the head. Um, this team gave the reins to Doug Peterson and had the assumption that he was this genius play caller and mastermind of the offense and can dial up plays left and right, no matter who his personnel is. But he's certainly not that person. And it's becoming more and more clear that the success that we had, you know, I'm not going to take it all away from Doug in 2017, but the success that we had was directly contributed to Frank Reich and his ability to draft up schemes that fit their personnel. Um, and yep. so, like, yeah, it's not entirely their fault. They don't have much to work with. But then again, at the same time, Jalen Rager was playing well. Um, Travis Fulgham is a legit number one receiver. Yet they still continue to play Alshon Jeffrey over him. So even when they're given the talent to succeed, they're not using it accurately. And, and, and I mean, that's just one. Go ahead. You, Go ahead. You bringing up Jeffrey just set off a fucking nerve for me on two yeah. different levels. First, first, you have Jeffrey playing, I think it was 20% of the snap, something like that, and doing absolutely nothing with them. Uh, got targeted once, went through it high, but that was it. Like, Fulgham led the goddamn league in receiving yards the past four weeks to take any snaps away from him for a 32-year-old who's not going to be on the team next year and who hasn't played a game this year yet is preposterous. Absolutely preposterous. Um, and and Fulgham's role in the offense yesterday, yesterday, like, holy shit, the guy's been your only good player for a month now. And then they didn't throw to him once for like a 32 minute stretch of the game, but from halfway in the second quarter until like five minutes left in the fourth quarter, zero targets for your best player. I think he had four targets for the game. It's not enough. He should be the number one option in the passing game. They should be trying to, I don't want to say forced in the ball, but honestly, yeah, with some of the other options they've had Fulgham in a one-on-one is the best option this team has in its passing game. You've seen him win contested catches this season. You've seen him get open against man coverage. Why go away from that now? Just because Alshon Jeffrey's back? And it's the same logic with benching Jordan Mailata, who is one of the only bright spots of the beginning of the season. For a thousand-year-old Jason Peters, was Peters the biggest problem with the offensive line on Sunday? No. But you know who was? Sua Opeta and Matt Pryor at left and right guard. What position did they sign Peters to come back and play this summer? Guard. It's time to get him the fuck off of left tackle and put Jordan Mailata back in. I'm so sick of the loyalty. Yeah, I get it. He's a franchise icon. He's going to be a Hall of Famer, the bodyguard. We all love him. What have you done for me lately? He's old. He's slow. Mailata is the better player, and he signed this summer to play guard. I don't care if we gave him the raise or not. Move him back inside. Get Alshon Jeffrey off the field. This team is not going anywhere. Even if they win the division this year, they're not going anywhere. It's a it's a one home playoff game and done kind of thing. So start focusing on the people who might actually contribute to the next legitimately good Eagles playoff team and stop worrying about, you know, the 10% of snaps that Alshon Jeffrey might give you or worrying about hurting Jason Peters feelings. Uh, You know, tough shit. This is a business and the business, the best interest of the business right now is uh, having uh, the, uh, you know, the young players who might be part of the team's future play the biggest roles. Yeah. So they're not choosing the right players and not putting them in the right spot. And also, Mid like during the game when we do when we have we always tend to shoot ourselves in the foot. There was like three fumbled snaps yesterday, and I know Hertz did one of them, but that, that's besides the point. Um, when you can't do the little things right, the big things aren't gonna work and and, and work themselves out. And even even so, like when Miles care when Miles Sanders is, has 15 carries for 80 whatever yards, and you just decide, I mean at that point we were never down more than one. 
in the whole game, besides in the end when they put it out of reach. And so you have to lean on your best player at, at, on that given Sunday, which yesterday was Miles Sanders. But Doug Peterson just keeps finding a way to just steer clear of any successful play that he has ran. Like Carson Wentz, I think one of the third quarter drives, they moved him out twice, and it was like two plays, 40 yards. Didn't didn't see it again the, whole, the rest of the game. And it's like, well, what do you expect? Like when you keep changing it up and trying to get cute and not running the plays that you're good at running, then that's going to happen. And so to not see him adjust, is it's just happened too many times this, this season. Um, and to not see him adjust just tells me that like, I'm not, I'm not even saying, like, all right, go off with Doug's head, right? Like, I'm, I'm not even saying that. What I am saying is take his play calling away, take his personnel. I mean, I don't even know if, we, if he does personnel, but make him the motivational guy, speaker, and give him zero responsibility outside of that because we need other people to run this offense and ultimately run this team. And I guess my, my rebuttal to that, I mean, you're not wrong. I don't think you can have Doug Peterson calling the plays for the team next year. Uh, the offense has been that bad this year. But, like, my rebuttal to that would be, like, if he's not calling the plays, if he's not – like, what is he doing then? Like, it, how is he different than Jason Garrett was, was aside from the ring? Because, like, an offensive coach who doesn't call offensive plays, by design, it means they're not that good of an offensive coach. Like, I, J- Jason Garrett gave up play-calling duty. Bill O'Brien gave up play-calling duty at the end. Mike McCarthy doesn't have play-calling duty in Dallas – like to me, it's it's an example of a, a veteran coach who's lost his fastball. Like at, at that point, like I, I don't know why you don't just get rid of Peterson and start fresh um, if you're going to take his play calling away. But going a little further back, like to me, you can't be having any of the conversations that we and men, we are having today and many Eagles fans have been having this season. You can't have these conversations without bringing Howie Roseman's name up to the forefront. And uh, I, I can't believe I made it this far into the podcast without talking. Yeah, about wow, it. ten minutes. <laughs> the uh, the guy's a, a fucking disgrace. And to me, if we're putting the list of like who's to blame for the the terrible product we're seeing on the field for the Eagles, it's Howie easily number one, Doug number two, Carson number three, because. Um, Howie Roseman's built an old expense. They're the second most expensive roster in the NFL. And we have nothing to show for it. The players are either old, bad, or both. They've got really, I mean, a couple of promising young players. How many guys on the team can you say, oh, he'll be the, you know, he'll be a part of the franchise core going forward? Miles Sanders, Rager, although it's early, Fulgham, although it's early, like, after that, you're stretching Goddard, I guess. Blaine Johnson's over 30. Brandon Brooks is over 30. Fletcher Cox is over 30. Um, the only, only other person would be Darius Slay, in my opinion. Darius Slay's 30. Like, it, it's just, it's mind-numbing to see. And it's not like they've got young talent waiting in the wings behind these guys. Because uh, Howie Roseman's done a dog shit job in the draft the last few years. I mean... Forget 2020, and, you know, I've bitched and moaned about Davion Taylor and Jalen Hurts enough already, and I will just say that the safety who the Eagles were reportedly either going to take Hurts or this guy Jeremy Chin at 53, well, Jeremy Chin's the front runner for Defensive Rookie of the Year through um, half the season. So, um, you know, another bang-up job by Howie to pass on him. Uh, But, like, you look at the draft from last year, and – uh, Miles Miles Sanders in the second round, awesome pick. But 
Andre Dillard in the first round looking like a bad pick uh you know best case scenario he competes for the starting job at left tackle with my lot uh, next year and that's a guy you traded up in the first four um other second round pick Ortega Whiteside over DK Metcalf like an extinction extinction level disaster for the Eagles as bad of a draft pick as you can make a fireball uh, offense Agreed. Agreed. Just that in and of itself is fireball. You got right. Sharif, Sharif Miller in the fourth round to the Eagles cut. cut, the Panthers cut. He's on the practice squad now, but in all likelihood, he'll never be a contributor. And um, they've got um, Clayton Thorson in the fifth round that year out of the NFL. Like promising young you wanna, talent. You want to give um, you want to give Howie credit for for finding Fulgham on the waiver wire, you know, he was a sixth round pick in that 2019 draft. If the Eagles liked him so much and they thought he was such a good player, they would have drafted him instead of wasting picks on Ortega Whiteside and Thorsten. So I don't give Roseman much credit at all, really, for finding Fulgham because he was buried on the, the practice squad and buried on the depth chart until all the other guys, how he picked instead of him or signed instead of him, got hurt, sucked, or did both. Um, so I just think... And this this extends not just to that wide receiver position or the 2019 draft, but this has like been a a roster that's been in steady decline since you know the confetti started falling at the Super Bowl. Uh, they got like they allowed themselves to have too much loyalty to older players. You know, so they're shocked when old players get hurt. They're shocked when old players cost more money than young players, and they're just not built to withstand extremely predictable absences and they don't seem to learn anything from their mistakes uh, uh, the year before. I don't have any confidence that Howie Roseman can be a, like the guy who fixes these problems he's created. And quite frankly, for a guy who's supposed to be really good at managing the cap, the Eagles are way over the cap next year and they're going to have to make some tough decisions just to, you know, put a put a 53-man roster out there. Some of the cuts are going to be easy, but some of them are not going to be easy, and they're going to be extremely limited in what talent they can bring in from outside the organization to, um, you know, to fill the holes that Howie's created. And, like, that's why it goes back to they're a team that's tied up against the cap, and your biggest free agent signing is a third a backup defensive tackle to play behind Fletcher Cox and Malik Jackson. You pay Javon Hargrave $13 million and he's not even good at his job of being a backup defensive tackle. I mean, how he's got no idea what he's doing. And the the number one thing for a GM in football has to be building through the draft. That's the way you win in the NFL. You win with uh, contributors on cheap rookie contracts. And you can count on one hand in the last five years, the number of players, how he's gotten who fit that bill. Yeah, I mean, I think you just hit it on the head. So, but I think it's it's important to be cognizant of the fact that the Eagles are not likely to get rid of Howie. So let's just say that is the case. Best case scenario for this team in the next two years. Are you are you asking me? Sure. Yeah. Best case scenario for the Eagles in the next two years, if Howie Rose has been still the GM. I mean, you know, maybe they can win a bad NFC East at six, not six and ten, or seven and nine again. But uh, this team is not making the playoffs again with Howie Roseman as their GM. Um, and like, I, I don't know why. It, and look, it seems seems likely that if somebody is losing their job after the season, it's it's Doug versus Howie because 
how he is essentially Doug's boss. Um, why, why should we give Howie Roseman the privilege of presiding over his third head, third head coaching search in eight years? Strictly because of the fact that it's probably going to happen. No, I, I agree. I agree that it, that's you know what, what will happen. But I'm like, what, you know, if he's picking his third head coach in eight years, it means he had a big swing and a miss on the first two. And like, obviously the big caveat of yes, they won a Super Bowl, And yes, I will be forever grateful to Howie and Doug uh, for that. But uh, you know, I give Howie Roseman not a ton of credit for the Super Bowl relative to the coaching staff because Howie Roseman didn't get a backup quarterback to look like Tom Brady for a month. But like at, at its core, like if a GM is is conducting a third head coaching search in eight years, it means that the first two failed. It, and to me, it, it speaks to a lack of judgment from the person in charge. And like when you can look at the roster that's been put on the field this year and say that. Yes, coaching has been a huge problem, but um, a lot of the players who are, are on the field are just not good or, or they're dramatically overpaid relative to their talent. You know, it, it doesn't inspire confidence that the current GM should keep his job or that he'll be able to turn it around. So, you know, best I don't think the ceiling's very high for Howie Roseman, um, for the Eagles under Howie Roseman next two years. And especially, I think that's in large part because they definitely can't get out of Wentz's contract this offseason. So he'll be the starter next year, uh, probably under a new coach. Uh, and, you know, we'll see we'll see if that could somehow rejuvenate him or something. But I think, you know, it, it's more likely that the 2017 season was just a huge outlier and Wentz is like an average, average quarterback who's getting paid like a franchise quarterback. So, I'm extremely pessimistic about the long-term outlook of the Eagles as long as uh, Howie Roseman is in charge to answer your your question. I'm actually not as pessimistic as, as, you, as you are, only because of the fact that I think we're actually low-key a couple pieces away from, from having you know a capable offense. All of the, I think we just need to have like two more like we need to first of all linemen back who are, who are injured and have been injured for a while now. Um, and then just get a new coach with a new scheme. And I think once that happens, and let's say the new coach with the new scheme is is working or is, like, talented, then I think we can compete in football games. So call me crazy. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it sounds nice when you say it. And, like, I wish, you know, new coach, new scheme. It's easy to say that. It's harder to find a coach with that kind of scheme who's able to succeed right away. Um you know, one name I would be very interested in if they uh, did did go that route of replacing Doug would be uh, Joe Brady, who was LSU's offensive coordinator last year with Burrow, and he's the Panthers' offensive coordinator this year. Um, you know, I think he's got like a kind of an explosive passing attack that's uh, you know interesting as far as that's the kind of offense you you would like to see your team have if they're they have the pieces to run it. Um, no question getting the lineman back will, will help the offense improve. But at this point, I'm skeptical of Brandon Brooks, can, you know, making it through seasons healthy. Yeah. Like to a certain extent now, you got to believe it. You know, I'll believe it when I see it. I know he's done it in the past, but um, not all that often. And uh, the last couple of years, Lane has gotten progressively more and more banged up again. Like now I feel like it's almost a lock that he's going to miss a couple games every year. Um there's no no sure thing that Kelsey keeps playing for 
uh, all that much longer. I know he's he's flirted with retirement in the past, and um, after just a, a fucking nightmare of a season like this one is shaping up to be, I could easily see him hanging it up. Uh, so I, I don't know that the line will be like back in 2017, they had arguably the best O-line in football. And that was a, definitely a big part of their success. Like, I don't know that we're ever going to get back to that, um, you know, that, that quality, quality again with, with this current group. Yeah, that's fair. So that's the bad news. However, the good news is we are lonely at the top of the NFC, of the NFC East. And there's no end in sight. So who do we have next week? Is it Dallas? No, we yeah, got uh, 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 the Cleveland uh, Browns. The Cleveland Browns, okay. That's a beatable team, and we should win that game, even though we're not favored. I saw that line. Um, I, think, I don't think we should. I, dis- I mean, I, mean we, we, I, guess I guess they're a beatable, beatable team. team. We, we should, should not win, win that, that game. game. There's, There's a very, a very real, real chance that we're going to be 3-10. and 10. I saw that. I mean, I don't know. I just think there's the NFL is this. They're so close, even still. I don't know. I mean, I, I think we take down the Browns ne- next week. Um, nothing about them scares me. Like, we can stop the run. Or apparently because we didn't yesterday, but we're supposed to be able to have guys up front that can stop the run. And um, I don't think Baker Mayfield is, is anything to worry about, to be honest. So, yeah, I have a lot of con- – I don't know why. I have a lot of confidence. I'm, I'm probably going to – off the record, I'm going to probably think about the three-and-a-half points – for the Eagles, but um, yeah, I don't know. I just I don't think they're too bad of a team, to be honest. T- too tough of an opponent, I meant. Yeah, and I mean I'm not not going to sit here and tell you the Browns are a, a juggernaut or or you know one of the best teams in the league or anything like that. I just think we're that bad um, that like I don't expect us to play well against anybody except other teams in the NFC East, maybe who are almost as bad as us. So I, I again, maybe I'm being too negative, but it's tough to. I didn't. There are really no reasons for optimism with this team. Like I, I struggle to think of one thing that I'm like you can hang your hat on and be like, you know what, they really do this well. I guess they ran the ball well yesterday, but um, you know they're not committed to it enough for it to be like a strength of the team. Um, on defense, you've got the highest group or highest paid group of defensive tackles in the league, and. You know, they were getting gashed by Wayne Gallman on the ground. Uh, Fletcher Cox had one sack on a Hail Mary at the end of the first half. Otherwise, he's invisible. Um, you know, Javon Hargrave, one and a half sacks on the year. The linebackers are a disgrace. Not one of them is an NFL caliber player, except maybe TJ Edwards. Um, the corners, I mean, Slay's good, but he did not play that well, I didn't think, against the Giants and gave up a couple of big plays. And, you know, Avante Maddox is just repeatedly getting torched on the outside across from him. And uh, it's tough because they're putting Maddox in a position to fail by putting a 5'9 guy on the outside in single coverage almost every play. And, uh, you know, it's it's more evidence that Jim Schwartz's defensive principles are rigid and inflexible and it's his way or the highway and uh you know you're seeing you know Sidney Jones a little bit and certainly to a much bigger extent Rasul Douglas as as guys who are thriving outside of the Jim Schwartz you know scheme because their defensive coordinators on their new teams are um you know using their strengths and and actually you know playing in a way that is you know helpful to the players rather than just being what the coach wants to do um, LJ Fort on the Ravens, another example of that, a guy who, who started thriving as soon as he got out from under Jim Schwartz. 
And, uh, you know, Jim Schwartz also has like a, a relatively for a defensive coordinator, he has a lot of input on personnel is what I've, I mean, obviously I don't have any sources, but just from what I've read on, you know, bleeding green nation, the athletic things like that, like, you know, Jim Schwartz gets a lot of input into what defensive players they draft and bring in free agency. And like, if this defense has been molded in his image and it's this bad and it, and you know, it's a bad defense. They got shredded by one of the worst offensive teams in the league yesterday um like what what is he still doing here and you know if if doug is the coach next year it'll have to be with new offensive and defensive coordinators because there's no way you can justify um running it back with this coaching staff that's had their players so unprepared to play so often and uh routinely makes things harder on the players than it has to be yeah i definitely agree with you also, I mean, it's the Giants, and their offensive line was controlling the scrimmage on both sides of the ball, the line of scrimmage. And so when, like, they shouldn't be able to do that with their personnel. Um, it just shows that I think they're coached a little bit, a lot better than we are, and they were a- able to basically dictate the game yesterday. Yeah, agreed. The the, uh, the Giants' O-line was blowing the Eagles off the ball. And, like, again, when you invest as much money in the D-line as the Eagles have, that has to be – you know, extremely concerning and disheartening to see. And it it raises a ton of red flags. And I know, uh, I think the whole Eagles, uh, the D the D line coach or whatever was, um, was out all week because of uh, COVID contact tracing or whatever. But like, you know, Fletcher Cox has been in the league nine years. Brandon Graham has been in the league 10 years. Malik Jackson has been in the league seven years. Um, you know, these guys shouldn't need like daily coaching during the week to know how to like rush the passer and not get blown off the ball on the run game, um, on Sunday. So I don't think that's a legitimate excuse at all. Um, but uh, you know, I, yeah, I agree. it's just so, so frustrating for a team that has, you know, made its identity and invested so much money on both the O-line and the D-line to just have a, a day where they're completely taken advantage of at the line of scrimmage uh, and it was that i mean barnett got a sack on the first play of the game and then it felt like you know the giants dominated the, the o-line the d-line from there so i've, so I've, I've seen, seen a lot, a lot of, people, of people uh um, talking, talking today, today about do you do you want the eagles to win the nfc east and host the playoff game or would it be better for them to like bottom out and you know ensure that changes are being made in the front office basically, basically you think the classic week that, 10 question that we ask ourselves every year basically <laughs> like do you think jeff lurie would get suckered in by them going six nine and one and hosting and let's get crazy and say like maybe even winning a playoff game at the link or do you think they would realize hey this is still a shitty team that got lucky because it played in maybe the worst division in the history of pro football. We still need to make big changes. There's no way because they're just way too loyal to the 2017 veterans. And I think they're going to ride them out as much as they can, like they're doing with Jason Peters. That's just my thought. I'll, I'll scream if Jason Peters is on the roster next year. Yeah, I mean, he might be. Yeah, I mean, I guess to answer my own question, it's hard to root against the Eagles making the playoffs because I love them. 
um, and basically my self-identity and self-worth are to a certain extent tied up in being an Eagles fan. Uh, So it's hard for me to be like, ah, I want them to stink even worse than they've stunk so far the rest of the way. But like, if that got Howie Roseman fired and, you know, got a, a fresh head on top of the organization, I would definitely take no playoffs this year. But because like if we if we miss the playoffs this year and Howie Roseman is still in charge, I have zero faith that the top ten draft pick that we would get as a result of that would be used in any any way that helps the team. Like we probably take a third string quarterback with it. So oh. if if we were able to like know if I knew that no playoffs meant Howie lost his job, I would say, Yeah, let's go uh, you know, three, twelve and one and you know, burn this fucker to the ground. But since I think how he's keeping his job either way, uh, I guess part of me still wants to see them win the NFC East and host a playoff game. And maybe if I'm lucky, I'll be able to go there and get COVID during the game. Well, let's certainly hope so. Um, do you have a, do you have a prediction for the Browns game? Oh, uh, I'm going uh, to say, say- 26 to 26 13 Browns. I hate the Eagles. I do not hate the Eagles, but I think it's going to be a stinker. Um, I think we show up after after a clear dud against the Giants. I think we show up and we stop the run. And I think it's like a it's just a shitty game. It's like a 18 to like 16 game or something like that. But I do think we're going to win. That's how I thought Sunday against the Giants Giants would be, like a real real ugly, ugly, fucking shitty shitty division division game that you're like, like, oh, oh, look back and you're like, I didn't enjoy any second of watching that game, but we pulled out the win and I didn't get that. So now I'm just going full pessimist on the Eagles until they show me otherwise. Okay, well, that's fair. All right, well, we got to, regardless, we're in first place, right? That's all that matters. Um, The first place Eagles, Eagles, baby. We love love them. It's lonely up here. Just know that. <laughs> um, and so we'll just link up after the Browns game and, and tr- probably talk about the loss that we just had, too. Sounds good. Sounds like a plan, plan to, me, to me, dog. All right. Good to you. <laughs> good deal. Good talking to you. Uh, we'll probably get one out after the Browns game. And so fly, Eagles, fly until then. Go, Birds.